Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, we wanna welcome everybody that is joining us from everywhere. If you are joining us online, YouTube, Facebook, believers.cc, we're so excited to have you with us. Wanna say a special welcome to all of our friends over at TCI. And of course, I am so honored to be right here at BC Warren. And uh, Warren is my home. And if you don't know me, my name is Joe and I get to serve as the campus pastor at BC Boardman with my beautiful wife, Erin. And uh, every weekend we miss you guys. During the week I get to work here, so I get to see a lot of my friends still. And uh, I miss all of you like crazy, but I'm glad in some small way, I get to hang out with you for a few minutes today. And I, I have this honor of closing out this series that we've been in called The Goat, The Greatest of All Time. And just for a little context, this series is built on Jesus who really is the goat. And we're taking a look at his life. He made this statement, he said, the greatest among you will be those that serve. And so Pastor Joe's done such a brilliant job of taking us to this point. And really the crux of this entire series so far has been, if you wanna go up, you gotta go down. And uh, so listen, before we jump into the message today, let's have a little bit of fun. Uh, I wanna just start a little controversy, have a healthy debate, just because I enjoy that. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna channel my inner Stephen A. Smith right now. I wanna just ask you, let's take a poll online right now. You can put this in the comments, the chat. And uh, for everybody in the room, I want you to tell your neighbor, shout it out, who is in the NBA the greatest of all time, the GOAT? You've only got two options. It's either Michael Jordan. And if you vote Michael Jordan, you probably grew up in the 80s and 90s. Mad respect for Michael Jordan. Uh, if you vote LeBron James the king, then you probably grew up in my era. And I'm probably a little biased because we grew up 45 minutes away from St. Vincent, St. Mary, and I watched him through high school. But let me tell you right now, I'm gonna settle the debate. The greatest of all time is the king, LeBron James. Come on, somebody. I just made about 50% of you really, really angry with me. And I apologize for that. And uh, out of honor to LeBron James, we're only gonna be reading from the King James version of the Bible. That's, that's a really bad pastor joke, not true at all. But uh, if you could forgive me, let's jump right in. I wanna, I wanna talk about this moment. We'll kick this off with a moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. This is in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. And Jesus is speaking out about a moment that is coming in the future. Listen to what he says. He says, yes, you have followed me in the recreation of the world when the son of man will rule gloriously, you who have followed me will also rule, starting with the 12 tribes of Israel and not only you, but anyone who sacrifices home or family or fields, whatever, because of me will get it all back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. I like that part, but here's where I'm getting at. This is where we're going today. The very last thing he says is this is the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last in the last first. And Jesus is spoke, he's speaking of this moment that is coming at the end of time when eternity begins, when a lot of the things that are up will be down, when a lot of the things that are down will be up. Let me tell you something, there will be people that have lived in obscurity in third world countries their entire life, following Jesus, serving him, giving their everything, and they will be the true heroes of heaven. They might not be influencers on Instagram. You might've never heard their name. They're not celebrities. They're not popular. They don't have a following, following, but for all of eternity, these people will be the goats. These people will be celebrated. Think about this. There are rulers and kings and presidents on this earth that had the most notoriety and in heaven, if they make it there, they will be the lowliest servants in heaven. 
There, there are people that were the exact opposite. They were, they were the lowest people. They didn't rule or reign in anything, but they will rule and reign in heaven. There are people that have been poor on earth, but they invested in the right things and in heaven they will be rich. Now I wanna throw this in. There are gonna be some people that were wealthy on earth and because they leveraged it for eternity, they're gonna be wealthy in heaven. There'll be people that are poor on earth and because they did not leverage it to God's glory, they'll continue to be poor in heaven. But there's gonna be this great reversal that happens and it's coming sooner than we think. Can, can I state the obvious? Life is short and eternity is long. Life is really short, right? I mean, the days might feel long, but life is shorter than we realize sometimes. And I love what James 4.14 says. Listen to this. I want you to think about this. You don't really know about tomorrow. Like we can speculate and we can like to think that we know about tomorrow. But if there's anything that 2020 taught us, we don't know anything about tomorrow. What is your life? Listen, you are a mist that appears for only a short while before it vanishes. That's interesting. You are a mist that appears only for a short while before it vanishes. Can I show you what James just called your life? You ready? I wanna demonstrate this for you. This is you, infancy to the grave. You ready? Did you catch it? He's saying your life is a vapor. This is, could, could you see it in that vapor? That, that included every accomplishment you ever had every achievement, every dollar that you ever earned, every car that you ever drove, every child you had, every bit of the legacy that you lived. It included your birth and your schooling and your college and your career and your retirement, all of it. Here one second, gone the next. And nobody is excluded, no one is exempt from this process of the shortness, the brevity of life. It's like a snap of a finger in comparison to eternity. Donald Trump, here one second and gone the next. Warren Buffett, how about Drake? Every one of us, we're gonna have to one day awaken to this reality of the great reversal. And so here's our goal at Believer's Church. We wanna get you ready for the reversal because some of us are investing in this vapor called life. And it's a bad investment at best because we are investing permanent assets in a temporary situation. We're investing in the wrong place. And this is what 1 Timothy 6, 17 talks about. It says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. If there was anything that the stock market and the economy taught us in 2020, it's that everything in this world is volatile and it could be great and stable one second and it could be in turmoil the next. So, so don't put your trust in that. Don't put your riches in that. It says, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, they are to do good, to be rich in good works. And he's not getting down on people that are rich. He's just saying some people are rich in all the wrong ways. There's nothing wrong with having money. The problem is when money has us. And he says, be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. He's talking about the great reversal so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So here's the question. Are we investing in a vapor called life? Are we investing in a temporary asset when we're headed to a permanent place? Because that is, that's bad investing at best. So our goal here at BC, our goal is to help you become a goat. 
We want your life to count for something and we want you to see life through the lens of eternity and serve out of that reality. And one of our core values here is that we are saved people who serve people. Jesus was a servant. And so you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving other people. And when you look through the Bible, it's kind of hidden in plain sight, but it's one of the toughest things for all of us to get a hold on. And so the title of my message today is the seven not so secrets of serving. The seven not so secrets of serving. It's kind of poorly hidden all throughout the Old and New Testament. And we're gonna kind of rapid fire through these. And I wanna encourage you, if you haven't already, grab something to write with because one of these is gonna stand out to you. One of these is gonna help you. Maybe one of them won't help you today, but maybe you'll need to dust it off and take it off the shelf later. And it'll be something that encourages you. Here's the first not so secret of serving. Serving, number one, is a stewardship issue. Serving is a stewardship issue. I love what 1 Peter 4.10 says. It says, as each has received a gift, listen, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So why, why is serving important? Well, it's because God has entrusted all of us with skills and abilities. And one day we will answer for how we used those skills and those abilities. It's a stewardship issue. I like what 1 Chronicles 15, 15 says. It says, and the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders. This would have been literally the container that held the presence of God as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. Verse 22, Kenaniah, the head Levite was in charge of the singing. And I like this. It says that was his responsibility because of his skill at it. So our gifts aren't just given to us for our enjoyment. Our gifts aren't just given to us so it benefits our life. Our gifts are given to us so we can give them away. Our gifts are entrusted to us and we are stewards of those gifts to use them in those various forms. Now, some of you are probably thinking like, Joe, I know, I know that you think I'm important, but if you knew me, you would know I'm not that important to the bigger picture of the church, to the greater story of the body of Christ. And I just couldn't disagree with you more. I wanna challenge you on that idea that every member in the body of Christ matters. Every member matters. You know, I was uh, a couple of months ago, I was at a trampoline park. I was at Extreme Air with my kids and they were bouncing all over the place. And there was this one part of Extreme Air that I found irresistible as a fan of basketball. It's the area where you can dunk on a trampoline and it looks so fun to me. And uh, I was never able to dunk in my prime. I'm gonna admit that I came close, I came close. I could maybe hit the net at some points in my life, but I never could dunk. And so I was watching these kids do 360s and all these amazing moves, these amazing dunks. And I thought, I'm gonna try that. So I started on the small hoop and I was able to do it. But then I saw the other hoop. It, it had to be, it felt like 15 feet in the air. I think it was only 10. But I went to plant my knee down to jump off of the trampoline. And my knee said, uh-uh, not doing that today. And my knee buckled under me and I injured it really bad. And so for the next month, I, I did what every guy did. I ignored it. I didn't go to the doctor and I figured if I ignore this, it'll go away. And finally, my wife said, you need to go check something out. And, and she didn't even have to make me follow through with it because about a week later, I wake up one morning and my back is completely out. Like I can't even stand, I can't even sit. There is no way I can get comfortable. My back is out of place. And so I made an emergency appointment that morning at the chiropractor and I get to the chiropractor and he adjusts me. And afterwards he's asking me, now what happened? Uh, how did you do this? Did you injure your back in a specific way? And I said, honestly, doc, I can't think of one way that I did anything to injure my back. He said, that's interesting. 
Then he asked me, is there any other part of your body that you have injured in the last month or two? And immediately my brain lit up and I remembered extreme air. And I said, well, I don't know if this would affect it, but I injured my knee. And he said, aha. And he said, actually, it directly affected it because he said, you have been favoring one knee for an entire month. And because your other knee wasn't doing its job, the entire body came out of alignment. Can I tell you something? My body needs my knee. And this body called the body of Christ needs you. It needs every part. Every member matters. It's a stewardship issue. Here's number two. God made you to serve in your style. I want you to, to hear that. God made you to serve in your style, in your way, in a unique way. Let's go back to 1 Peter. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Then in verse 11, it says, whoever speaks, speak as one who is an oracle of God. And whoever serves as one who serves, I like this, by the strength that God supplies. That's interesting wording. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I heard one preacher say it brilliantly. He said, a toaster and a refrigerator both have the same power source, the same supply, it's electricity. But when a toaster hooks up to that supply of electricity, it comes out hot. And when a refrigerator hooks up to that same supply, that same power source, it comes out cold. Can I tell you something? This is how the body of Christ works. Every one of us has a unique gift. We have a unique skill, a unique talent. And when we hook up to the supply, the Holy Spirit, the one who powers us to do what he made us to do, then we can in a unique way express that and bring glory to God. He made you to do it in a unique way. And of course, there's an element to serving where we just say, hey, where do you need me? We used to call it the ministry of helps. This just means like, where do you need help? And there will be moments like that in a church where we say, hey, it's all hands on deck. This is, this is a family moment. It's like when, when people are coming over at our house and everybody gets together and we clean and we make everything look spick and span. We're doing this for Easter. We're getting ready to have a lot of guests here. And so it's all hands on deck. But more often than not, the way that you discover your purpose is through your passion. Your, your greatest passion will reveal your greatest purpose. And, and don't disqualify yourself because sometimes I think we disqualify ourselves if the gifts and skills we have don't look churchy enough. Oh, I, I can't preach and I'm not real good at, at leading worship and I don't know a whole lot of scripture. So I don't think that God could use me. And I just wanna see you how practical God gets when it comes to using people. This is Exodus chapter 31, verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. Try to say that five times fast. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. This reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite, bow hunting skills and nunchuck skills, you know, skills. Hey, say this real quick to your neighbor, say it online, say, I got skills. All right, say it like you mean it this time, say, I got skills. Yeah, God gives all of us skills. Now look at the specific way that he gifted them. He said, verse four, to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones. This is jewelry. Uh, to make artistic designs for uh, work in gold, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of crafts. Shout out to our crafty group here at BC, the Connect Group. Don't miss this. Here's what he's saying. You were created by God, filled by his spirit and given wisdom and knowledge and skills. You uniquely. Verse six, he goes on to say, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan to help him. 
I've given the ability to him and all skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. And then he goes on to list all the different things that they can make and create within his house, the temple. Now listen, this is my favorite part. He says, and also the woven garments and both the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as a priest. What is this? This is the first fashionista. This is somebody that loved design and loved fashion. Sometimes I think we disqualify ourselves and we almost feel ashamed. Why do I lay awake at night thinking about designing? Why do I lay awake at night thinking about coding and thinking about the next entrepreneurship idea? God hardwired you to think that way. He made you to use your skills in a unique way. And I love what Chad Veach says. He says, God didn't make you one way to use you another. He didn't give you these passions to frustrate you. He gave you these passions as clues for the purpose that he created you for. So shout out to Growth Track. Some of you, you're ready to take that step and jump into Growth Track and today is your day. You could sign up right now. I'll give you permission. Go to believers.cc and click on the Growth Track link right now. If you're watching online, this will be here. Go for 30 seconds and sign up and start in April because it is worth it. And that's how you're gonna discover your purpose and make a difference. You ready? Here's number three. Serving sustains us. Serving sustains us. You know, when people find out how many different amazing volunteers we have in our dream team, and they're not really a part of a church, it's hard for them to wrap their mind around why you would spend all that time and put all that effort and energy into a church gathering. Why, why would you do that for a religious thing? Because to them, it's an obligation. But I always say it this way, you think it depletes me, but it really completes me. And the thing that you think is taking from me is actually the thing that gives to me the most. It sustains me. And anybody that serves here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus said something similar to this in John chapter four, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. And he had been doing ministry all day. This is right after he had ministered to the woman at the well. And he had just been going and going and going. In verse 32, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And they look at each other and they say, did he, did he grab a burrito bowl from Chipotle in between service one and two? And Jesus perceives what they're asking. And he says, no, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish that work. What Jesus is saying is, hey, serving sustains me. This is what I was made to do. And you might think it depletes me, but it completes me. And when I get here and there are people that beat me to the building at BC Boardman, and I've seen it for years and years here at BC Warren, there are people that turn all the lights on and people that get the environments ready. There are people that are volunteers that are coming on Thursday nights and giving of their time to prepare for the services. There are people preparing lessons for your kids and they're getting ready for all the things they're gonna do to minister to them. They care about those kids so much. They're putting all their time and effort. Some of them are CEOs, business leaders, single moms, People that have every excuse and reason in the book not to serve, but why do they do it? Because serving sustains us. Here's number four. Yeah, serving sustains us, but this one needs to be paired with the previous. We have to serve out of a Sabbath. We have to serve out of a Sabbath. And I've seen a lot of amazing people that really love God. They're the type of people that would be here every time the doors are open. They would serve at every event rarely said no to anything, just incredible people. Some of those people today, after observing it for 35 years in my life, they don't even go to church anywhere. They don't want anything to do with God. They're burnt out. They're burnt out on church. They're burnt out on serving. They're burnt out on the idea of Christianity. 
And I believe it's because they haven't tapped into something that I call the rhythm of God's rest. It's the rhythm of God's rest. Here, here it is, you ready? This is something to write down. Run, rest, repeat. Run, rest, and repeat. It's the rhythm of Sabbath. You know, speaking of running, I, I know clearly it looks like I do a lot of it. And uh, the truth is I've been searching for a runner's high for my whole life and I never found it. So I've just never been real into running. But anybody that I talk to that gets into running, one of the things that they'll talk about, this is really with all sports, they talk about how important recovery is. That actually recovery is just as important, maybe even more important than when you're running. And it feels kind of counterintuitive, right? It feels unproductive. You want me to stop and not work out? What about all the gains that I had? And what about how fast I'm trying to get? What about this competition that's coming up? But actually science will tell you that your recovery actually helps you get faster when you get back out there and run again. And athletes that never rest and never recover, never rehabilitate, guess what happens? They're more prone to stress fractures. They're more prone to injury. And ultimately they end up sitting out way longer than if they would have just had a practice of resting after they run. LeBron James, remember the goat? He is, he is famous for spending up to a million dollars on recovery on his body alone every year which sounds ridiculous, but when you start to think about all the things that he is doing and the longevity that he wants to have, what LeBron is saying is, hey, I wanna be just as good at 36 and 37 and 40 as I was when I was 25. And I might lose a step, but I'm gonna make up for it in other ways. So I'm gonna run and rest and repeat. Listen, this is how God created us. This is the cadence of Christianity. He models this in the creation story. Remember, in six days, he makes the heaven and the earth and he makes man and woman. And on the seventh day, he rests. Now, did God need to rest? Absolutely not. God does not get tired. He's not a man that he would grow weary. No, he didn't need to rest, but he decided to rest to model what it looks like to have a Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I just wanna remind you, because I have to remind myself of this often. Sabbath is not a suggestion, it's a command. Sabbath is not a suggestion, it's a command. And some of us, if we were to do an assessment of our life, we go through life and we feel so emotionally exhausted. We feel so physically tired. We feel spiritually drained, but we never take a Sabbath. And then we wonder why we're so worn out. And I'm telling you, if you could take a step towards getting into the rhythm of rest, then God would begin to give you some peace and you would begin to have more energy to tackle the very thing you wanna tackle. Some of us have this habit of being at work all the time. And even when we're at home and we're supposed to be playing with our kids, we're still at work. Our mind is still on that email or on that problem that's waiting for us when we get back on Monday. Maybe some of us need a social Sabbath because we're constantly thumbing through our social media apps. Maybe some of us need to just delete Instagram or delete TikTok or delete Facebook just for one day a week, just to say, God, I'm giving this to you first because I want to keep the Sabbath holy because I wanna run, rest, and repeat. And I love this idea. We're not just resting from something, we're resting for something. Let me say it this way. We're not just resting from the hectic week and from the craziness at school and from work and all the different stress. We're resting for where we're headed. And it just gets you in a different mentality that I wanna be fresh when I come into God's house. I wanna be fresh when I go to work. I wanna, I wanna serve out of a place of Sabbath. So what do you have in your life that fills up your tank? What's enjoyable to you? 
I, I never would have thought I'd say that I say this, but last year during the quarantine, we took up this hobby and I hadn't had a bike in years. And my wife said, let's get some bikes and let's go on bike rides as a family. We had nothing but time. It was good weather in the spring last year. And so we would take bike rides every day. And can I tell you now that the weather is changing, I am so excited. We've already gone on a couple bike rides. There is nothing like it. And it gets the endorphins going and your dopamine receptors and all of these different things that God hardwired you to have so that you could replenish yourself. You know, they call it recreation. Recreation comes from this Latin word that literally means to recreate yourself. You're, you're remaking yourself every time you do something that is fun. There, there's actually a holiness to having a hobby. We have to make sure that we are serving out of a Sabbath. And so in a church context, I always just like to remind our amazing dream teamers that the moments when you sit are equally important to when you serve. And if you're in this cycle of serving, 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 and anytime you come to church, you're just here to serve. Sometimes I think we can even only come to church when we're on the schedule to serve. And I just wanna encourage you to build into your life a rhythm of rest and coming and receiving and not just coming to God's house to give something, but coming and saying, I wanna receive. So I'm actually in a healthier place to give. So serve out of a Sabbath. Here's number five, serve a greater purpose. Now, this is just confession. This is how I tend to look at life in my humanity. I tend to look at serving in a self-serving way. So I approach serving other people, but kind of secretly in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, this'll be reciprocated and they'll serve me back. They'll give back to me. It's almost transactional in a way that I would never say out loud, but it's just, it's the way that our flesh is. But a goat, they serve others. A goat serves when there's nothing that can be given back to them. I wanna challenge you to find some people in your life that you can serve and they can do absolutely nothing in return for you. This is what Jesus would practice often. A true goat, they serve the dreams of other people. Remember Joseph? Joseph receives this pretty incredible dream. It was spectacular. And it's a picture of where God is taking him. And then, you know, we all know the story. He goes to his brothers and starts telling them, hey, you're all gonna bow down to me one day. And that didn't go so well. They sold him into slavery. That was awkward. That was a tough moment in Joseph's journey. But you know what's interesting? When you study the life of Joseph, before he could ever realize the dream that God gave him, God led him to serve the dreams of other people. There were three people, as a matter of fact, that God led him to serve their dreams. One was the cupbearer for the king, the other was the baker, and the third was the king or the Pharaoh himself. And I wonder if some of us have this dream in our heart of being an entrepreneur and being a business owner, and God's just saying, hey, before I give you your dream and before I allow you to walk in the fullness of the dream that I placed in your heart, I want you to find a business owner somewhere else and give your life to them, serve them. Just do anything you can to honor them. I just talked to ministry people for a second, people that feel called to pastoring or, or, or any kind of worship leading or youth ministry, kids ministry, you name it, something that you feel like I feel called to part-time or full-time ministry. Can I tell you something? The best way for you to get to where God wants you to go is to find somebody that's already doing what you wanna be doing and serve them with everything you've got. Not with an agenda, not because you, you wanna get tapped on the shoulder to preach more often or to sing more often, just with zero agenda other than to say, I am here to serve a greater purpose. And I'm telling you, when people have that heart, God opens up doors for them like crazy. Jesus served his dad as a carpenter. That wasn't even his ultimate calling, but he said, you know what? I, I can, I'm good at, I'll figure it out. 
I'm Jesus, I can do it, but I'm gonna serve someone that is a man because I know this principle works. I love this about our pastor. Most of you don't know this, but Pastor Joe, he serves an organization called Significant Church. He's on their leadership team. And sometimes you think of leadership as a privilege, and it is, but it's also a great responsibility. And so really what it means is he answers to somebody and they ask him to do things. And he doesn't say no, he gives them a yes as often as he can. And he won't tell anybody this, but he pays his way to their conferences and, and he doesn't even charge the church because he wants something in his life to cost him so that he can serve other people. And as a pastor who's at the top of the org chart, I think that is so healthy to just have some places in our life. If you're a business owner, man, follow the lead of Jesus and serve other people, wash their feet figuratively and honor them and God will honor you. Here's number six, we're coming to a close here. Serving <clears throat> is a mark of maturity. It's a mark of maturity. I love what Jesus says in John 13. This is such a cool principle. This is something I think that's gonna help you. Listen, Jesus knew that the father had put him in complete charge of everything and that he came from God and was on his way back to God. So if we read that as a standalone sentence, what we would see is that Jesus knew he was in charge. But I want you to watch what he did with his authority. He doesn't lord it over people. He doesn't domineer them. Actually, he recognizes that authority and leadership, it's a better responsibility. It's a greater responsibility to serve other people. Look what he says next. It, it says, so he got up from the supper table, he set aside his robe and he put on an apron then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. And when he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet. I love this. Jesus models this throughout his whole ministry. But I, I want you to hear this. Jesus is showing us a moment in our discipleship journey that all of us have to come to. This is a decision and a step that each of us will come to the longer we follow Jesus. It's the moment where we get up from the table where we've been receiving nutrients and we've been receiving and taking in and we say, you know what? I'm gonna stand up from the table and I'm gonna start becoming a part of the process of bringing something to the table. I like to say it this way. Our goal is to grow babies to full grown believers. And babies wear bibs. Adults wear aprons. Babies, because they're babies, they come to the table and they're in their high chair and they're making a mess all around them and there's carrots and peas and applesauce all over the place and they're pooping in their diaper. And, and what happens? We love them for it. Why? Because they're a baby. I pray this would always be a place where baby believers can come and belong. This is a place where you can meet Jesus, but then can I make you a promise? This is also a place where we're gonna grow you in maturity because we want you to go from bibs and graduate to aprons. And how do we do that? Well, the same way a natural baby does. We take you from milk to meat. You would never give a baby a steak, but as they grow, they begin to mature. They begin to get the little stuff down pat and then they begin to grow and they start to walk and eventually they start to run. Every church has spiritual babies if they're healthy. Now, 1 Peter 5, 5 says it this way, and all of, them, all of you, must put on the apron of humility. Why? To serve one another. Serving is a selfishness killer. Can I just tell you that as a parent? I never realized how all about me my life was until I had a kid. I didn't know how selfish I was until I got married. There's, there's something about serving someone else, serving your kids, serving your wife, serving your coworker, serving people in God's house. It's a selfishness killer. And so here's the question. 
What am I bringing to the table? You wanna know where you are on your maturity journey? Just ask, am I wearing a bib or am I wearing an apron? And this isn't to shame you, this is just to encourage you and say, there's a step beyond where you're living and there's so much joy that comes. Some of y'all are about to go through a growth spurt and maybe in light of this series, we'll call it a goat spurt, all right? We're about to go to where God wants us to go. All right, here's the, the seventh not so secret to serving, you ready? This is probably my favorite. Serving is a seed. Serving is a seed. You know, I, I think sometimes, because many of us are, are humble and we look at ourselves and we think, how could God really ever make a big difference through me, through this little thing that I'm doing? Some of us were vacuuming a carpet in a dark hallway during the middle of the week and we're kind of thinking like, is anybody gonna see this? Does this matter? Some of us are serving in the tech booth or we're behind the scenes or we're in the kids ministry, we're in the nursery and they for sure can't tell us thank you. And sometimes it feels like those areas are overlooked. Could, could that really make a difference? Oh, it does. Your serving is a seed. You know, most of us are familiar with Billy Graham, but most of us are not familiar with a man named Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball lived a couple hundred years ago and he was a Sunday school teacher. And Edward was shy and it made him nervous even to talk to kids. And there was this young boy, his name was Dwight and he was a troublemaker. And he did not like to listen in class. I know none of our B Kids workers have ever experienced this with your beautiful children, but back then, hundreds of years ago, this was a problem. And so here's what Edward did. He decided, I'm gonna go find Dwight during the week when no one else is around, because I don't think he's met Jesus yet. So he's working at a shoe shop. He goes and finds him. He has to work up the nerve to go inside because he is so nervous about talking to this boy about Jesus. That's how timid he was. But he works up the nerve to do it. And guess what? Dwight gives his life to Jesus and later goes on to become Dwight L. Moody, one of the greatest pastors. Uh, he starts the, the Moody Bible Institute. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with that in the Chicago region. And goes on to become an incredible preacher. And out of his ministry comes this man named Wilbur Chapman. And he's an evangelist and he's reaching tens of thousands of people here in America. And this one day there's this baseball team that swings by and there's this, this guy named Billy that's there. And they're out to get drinks, but they see this sign that says, there's gonna be this guy named Wilbur Chapman. He's an evangelist and he's gonna be at the mission later today. And Billy tells the whole team, I gotta go. He's a professional baseball player. He says, I gotta go, I'm, I'm going to Jesus. And so the baseball team all stayed there. He went, gives his life to Jesus, and he later goes on to become what we know as Billy Sunday, an amazing pro baseball player who now has this platform to preach the gospel. And there are so many tens upon thousands of people getting saved. Uh, it's televised in some places, it's on the radio. It's this incredible ministry. Well, in Billy Sunday's ministry, there's a guy named Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai is sitting in one of his meetings and he gets lit on fire with the gospel. And he starts doing crusades eventually all over the country. And he would rent a hearse and then he would put a sign for his meetings and he would have these massive tent meetings. He was known to have 10 or 15,000 people in these meetings and they'd have to turn thousands of people away. There were these incredible revivals that were happening all over the country. Well, one day he goes to North Carolina and in North Carolina, he's having a tent meeting across from a school. And in that school is a young guy and his name is Billy Frank. And Billy hears his friend say, we're gonna go to that meeting and we're gonna start trouble. We're gonna disrupt it. And so he tags along thinking, I gotta see this. Well, he ends up staying for the meeting, comes back the next night, gives his life to Jesus. And that boy, Billy Frank, his full name is Billy Graham. Can I tell you something? Your serving is a seed. 
You might not see what God is doing through you in B Kids right now. You might not see what God is doing through you in B Kids Junior. Teachers, you might not see how God's using you at your school. Business owners, you might know how, not know how God's affecting you. Classmates, you might not know what God's using you to do in the locker room, but you're serving others is a seed. And Billy Graham could have never existed if Edward Kimball, that shy, awkward Sunday school teacher hadn't gone out of his comfort zone to tell Dwight L. Moody about Jesus. So listen, I'm gonna end by telling you two things, two statements. You can't spell seed without C. You can't spell seed without C. I want you to see this. If all of us could just see, get a vision for what God is doing through our serving, we would be blown away. And every time if we approach coming to God's house and saying, you know what, I might not have much, but whatever I have, I'm gonna bring it with a joyful heart and I'm gonna build up the body of Christ because every member matters then God begins to do so much more through you than you ever thought possible. See your serving as a seed and God will use it. How about this one? This is the last thing. <clears throat> you can't spell goat without go. You can't spell goat without go. Actually, for all intents and purposes right now, let's just redo the acrostic. Let's make goat stand for go and tell. Because this is ultimately, people, the greatest way that we will serve other people. The greatest way we will serve them is helping them see Jesus. We've never had a more amazing opportunity than right now as we're coming out of a pandemic and people are hungry and they're hurting. Some of them are hopeless. And right now we are a week away from an event that most of them would come to if we would just ask, Easter, Easter at BC. And so I'm just gonna ask you to begin to pray about God, who are the people in my life that I can serve? What are the practical ways that I can use my gift in a unique way to make an impact in this world? I wanna be ready for the great reversal. And I promise you, if you make yourself available, God will use you. So I just wanna ask you, here, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Grab invites at each lobby today. If you're online and you're not able to attend yet, I know so many of you are planning on coming back for Easter or coming back soon. You can invite them to the online experience. But listen, grab stacks on stacks of invites, put them in your pocket and wait for God to give you an opportunity and I promise it will come. My wife just had this happen to her last night. She just was walking into a store. Someone stopped her, struck up a conversation and five minutes later, this person is like, I'm coming to church next week. This is how God uses us and we just have to be ready and go, you can't spell it without go. Go into all the world and tell the gospel to every person that you can. So listen, I wanna invite you here in Warren, online, bow your heads, close your eyes at TCI. And I just wanna give you an opportunity. If you can't remember a moment in your life where you surrendered to Jesus, this is how we can know that the great reversal on that day that, that we're headed to a place called heaven. The Bible says that there is a heaven to gain and there's a hell to stay away from. And I just wanna give you this opportunity. I'm not asking you, have you been baptized? I'm not asking you, have you been confirmed? Have you been a member at a church? Those are all great things, but they are not the thing that leads us to heaven. Jesus said, there's only one way to heaven and it's by putting faith and trust in me. I'm the gate, I'm the door. You will spend eternity somewhere forever and ever and ever And life is just a mist. It's just a vapor. But what we do in this life affects our eternity. And so the Bible makes it so clear if we believe in our heart and we say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. And I wanna lead you in that prayer. Can everyone that's here in this room online, can you pray it with us? Repeat this after me and I believe a miracle will take place. Say, dear God, 
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he served me and gave his very life. Thank you that he gave me his best. When I was at my very worst, I received your free gift of salvation and I'm gonna follow you. I won't be perfect, but I'll follow you every day and I'll take a step. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.